Hey y'all, what's up? It's your girl Dominique Devereaux coming to you straight through the podcast waves on this amazing Monday morning. Like the sun is shining so bright here in the Central Valley of California. I'm actually feeling some type of way because they're saying it's going to be about 105 today. So I'm not looking forward to it, you know, because is that that's actually pretty freaking hot. I'm used to uh, when I lived in Virginia, when it was a little bit more humid outside, but it was uh, the temperature was never quite that high. So I miss the ocean breeze. I'm too inland. I'm nowhere near the water, but I am going to enjoy this day regardless. So what's up? How y'all been doing? I know I have been MIA for two weeks. Um, I actually needed time to finish my uh this last semester in school um it has been totally stressful um with transitioning to online classes as I'm sure you guys have heard me say before it has just been a bit much and you know I already don't like school I already don't like um like you know having to go on campus but I will take that over online school any day like both of my professors they are not online instructors so both of them had like the same reaction and you know it was just like they they hated it just as much as we did we lost like two-thirds of our class for both of my classes it was just like a lot so you know I'm just glad that I made it through I actually got to uh finish my um essay on time some of y'all know I had a paper that was due and it was kicking my ass I done did uh I think four or five other essays this semester have gotten A's on all of them I have no idea what I got on this this is my final I don't know. I think I might have got like a C <laughs> or maybe maybe a B, A minus, B plus, I think. Um, but I tell you, um, it was hard because the subject was on love. And I know like people be like, well, damn, that shouldn't be so hard. But I mean, I'm 39 in the dating pool, the love pool, whatever pool we supposed to be jumping into is infested with like you know with needles and um crack pipes and and dirty water and shit that's what the the dating pool looks like uh for me right about now I don't know about for everybody else so the concept of love is so foreign um that I just I couldn't make it do what it do I hope I made sense if my professor's listening man I tried the best I could do um I, I don't know so please be gentle <laughs> my math professor has uh changed the weight of our assignment so many times and I'm trying to figure out who in the class is failing and she's trying to help them get a C uh, <laughs> because she didn't change the weight of all of our exams and our final and our homework like three or four times already and it don't matter because I still have an A which I've never had an A in math in my life let's just celebrate me right there as far as that is concerned I ain't never I mean ever had an A in math in my life like that is just the dopest thing so I'm really happy to be finished with the spring semester it ended last Thursday summer semester starts tomorrow I like torture um so I will be back in class early in the a.m but while I'm available I thought I would chop it up with y'all so 
Um, I mean, not a whole lot has been going on. I mean, you know, our world, our country is still in a shambles. You know, things are still pretty uh, low key, um, scary, you know, high key, fucked up. But I guess that's just the nature of what it is right now. Um, I mean, I have a lot of friends who uh, are still looking for jobs and, you know, I hear that it is super rough out there and I am just sending all the positive vibes, all the positive energy to everybody because, you know, these times have been super rough, but you know what I have noticed in this time, I was telling my mom this the other day that there's all these people that I know that I follow some of y'all. I'm not even going to say who you are, but once I say this, you'll know exactly that I'm talking about you. There's a lot of my friends and, you know, just acquaintances or whatever, possibly some family members who post on social media as if they are balling out of control. And as soon as all this shit happened and they couldn't go to work and they couldn't, you know, run their business or whatever. Now they bitching because they want to go back to work because they trying to get that money. But baby, I thought you was balling. I thought you had money. You know, this this time is a really telling time. Uh, for a lot of people. It's real telling of intentions. It's real uh, telling of where people really are in their life. You know, it's a lot of people that are not as well put together as they like uh, to make us believe. It's a lot of people out here that's not as put together as, you know, as they post to be, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I see you. I see you out there celebrating that you got your stimulus check after you didn't talk shit about everybody who was waiting for theirs. You spent your $1,200 just as carefully as the rest of us did. So congratulations to you. You know, I think it's real funny. Social media, um, social media can be a real humbling experience, you know, because social media don't forget anything, especially if your profile is public. People don't forget nothing. People let nothing go. And I've already seen it a couple of times where people have posted, you know, somebody's post from just a couple of months ago that contradict totally what they're saying today um, in the midst of this whole pandemic situation. So kudos to uh, the social media uh, informants, the social media special agent uh, 007s out there who are constantly putting people's shit out there uh, for the world to see. We appreciate your service. Uh, we, we do appreciate your service and dedication to making people look like the asses that they actually are. So thank you. Um, but I have really enjoyed this time in being extremely productive, except for the last four days. Um, I got a back injury at work a couple of years ago and every now and again, it flares up. So for like three or four days straight, I could not uh, I couldn't stand up and I couldn't walk. And that was difficult. Uh, but the rest of this time that I've had, I have tried to figure out something new to do every day. I try to read something new, learn something new. And it's, you know, it's cool if that's, you know, who you aspire to be, who you're trying to be. If not, you're just trying to cope and make it from one day to the next. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Don't let these people on social media or in society make you feel like by the time this uh, whole pandemic situation is over, that you should have uh, discovered, um, I don't know, uh, uh, the correct ingredients to put into uh, a vaccine for for this virus. Don't let nobody make you feel like you should have came out of this a millionaire and launched five or six different businesses or whatever. If if you're totally content with where you are or not content, you're just trying to make it and you're managing your anxiety levels like 
you know, fuck the rest of these people. Don't don't let them get you uh, to a point where you're second guessing who you are or what you are like. It's it's not necessary at all. We we understand. I understand you. So you don't have to uh, you don't have to explain yourself to anybody. We all fighting the same struggle out here. Uh, none of us you know, are, are different from the next, you know, just, we all handle it differently. There's no right or wrong. It's just different. Right. So, um, you know, another thing that I've noticed also is where we are with this presidential candidate situation. I am really shocked. I, I look at us, um, and I want to know if, you know, I know there's a lot of us who are, you know, very educated in the area of politics and understand, you know, what it means when we're voting these different people into office to be president. Um, But I really want to know if, you know, if a lot of us, do we understand what it means when we vote certain people in office? And do we understand what it means, um, what the significance of the whole uh, campaign is? You know, they're campaigning. Like, do we all, are we all on the same page where we understand that? Because I, the reason I say that is because um, I've noticed over the last couple of uh, weeks, um, you know, Joe Biden has been making more and more of an appearance on his uh, platform, uh, so to speak. And I've I've seen, I don't know, um, I haven't listened to a lot of his videos because, you know, like, I, I'm just not all that interested in what he has to say unless he is specifically saying what he's going to do to improve uh, my life and the life of other people that look like me. Um, but I've, I've seen where he's been, you know, shucking and jiving just a little bit and um, appearing to be uh, more in tune with black folk. (laughs) And immediately we want to invite him to the cookout. Immediately uh, we we want him at the barbecue. Why? What the fuck has he done for us that, you know, he's showing what his intentions are for our community? What has he he done? Because y'all won't let some of y'all cousins or your uncles or aunts that you got little stupid ass beef with your blood relations, you won't let them come to a cookout, but you will figuratively allow for Joe Biden to come just because he appears to be on the same page as you, but he hasn't actually proven to be reading the same fucking book. I'm just trying to understand what it is that, uh, that we're looking at, what it is that we're doing here for real, for real. Um, I've seen a couple of posts where people were referring to him as uncle Joe. And I'm like, are you guys serious right now? You know, are we making these candidates really work for our vote? Are we making them earn our vote or are we allowing them to say a couple of things that make us feel um, special, that make us feel uh, like they can relate to us? That's great because, you know, I I remember getting pulled over by a cop and I complimented him and and spoke so highly to him and and talked to him with so much respect and so much um, just thankfulness for him being out here patrolling the streets until he didn't give me the ticket anymore. You know, it doesn't mean that I didn't deserve the ticket. I was speeding. I didn't have my phone in my hand, you know, so you can talk people (laughs) into doing just about anything. And it seems like, you know, a lot of people are not realizing that we're if we're not careful, we'll be talked into another four years of Donald Trump putting Joe Biden in office 
does not give us Barack Obama 2.0. It, it doesn't do that, you know, and a lot of us didn't even know who the fuck Joe Biden was until he uh, ran, you know, with Barack Obama until he was in, you know, you tell me, cause I'm, I am not um, deep into politics. I'm not deep into um, the, you know, I don't understand a whole lot. I don't know a whole lot and I'm okay with that. I'm not stupid, but you know, just some shit I just don't know. But you tell me one thing while Joe Biden was vice president. Tell me one thing that he did while he was in office that would make him being our president right now such an amazing thing that I can't believe that we didn't put him in office four years ago. You tell me what he did when he was a vice president that earned him a spot as president today. Now, I'm not telling you not to vote for Biden and I'm not telling you uh, to vote for Donald Trump. I'm not saying anything like that, but I'm saying are we actually looking at making them earn our vote instead of being entertained and enticed into a situation where um, we, oh, well, I'm just going to vote for him because he a Democrat. That's the wrong reason to vote. You know, when I first moved back to California, I think we voted the following year. And I'm a, you know, California resident at this point. I got to do my civic duty and vote. Right. And so I didn't know any of these candidates, didn't know any of them whatsoever. What did I do? I spent three or four days on the Internet researching every single candidate. It took me all day for days to do this. And I did it. And my ballot was some Democrat, some Republican at the end of the day. It's not about the party that you're voting. It's about what it is that they're doing to um, affect change in your community. And that's that's what it is down to. It's a life and death situation right now. You know, so you think that when um, the election comes and goes, whether President Trump is still in office or Biden is in office, do you think that that's going to end uh, shit like coronavirus from happening? You know, it, it's not. You think it's going to end um, high unemployment rates? Do you think it's going to um, end police killing um, unarmed black men? Not necessarily. We have to... Um, Make them tell us specifically, what are you going to do? What are your plans for the black community? What is your agenda for us? I'd like to know me personally. So, I mean, you know, that's where that is. You can't come to my fucking cookout until you can answer that question for me. And you not my uncle either. So that's how I feel as far as that's concerned. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's it's been pretty chill. I see that, again, states are starting to open up slowly. Um, I'm actually happy that states are starting to open up a bit, um, you know, to get people uh, back out uh, to doing things, to put some money back into the economy and to each state. I think that it's um, a wonderful thing. What I don't think is wonderful is that, um, you know, we are uh, protesting for um, the the right or for the ability uh, to wear a mask or not wear a mask um, to uh, to be able to do shit like go get a haircut. Um, I think that some of the reasons that people are out protesting, I think is actually asinine. I think it's ridiculous, you know, but if that's what you believe, if that's what you're passionate about, I guess fight for it. I mean, you know, um, I, I really... I do think that there's a huge contrast in, you know, somebody going to get a haircut versus being able to have a proper uh, 
funeral and burial for a loved one who passed away, whether it's from coronavirus or not. You know, I heard somebody mention that they uh, had to watch a televised funeral of one of their relatives. And I couldn't even imagine like, you know, to watch a video of a loved one, you know, being funeralized is just like unreal to me, you know, so um, that, you know, that seemed to be more of a reason to want to uh, protest more of a reason than to say, oh, I want to go out and get a haircut. Cut your own damn hair. I've been cutting my hair for the past couple of months, uh, which is why I opted for a podcast and not a video uh, broadcasting myself because my sideburns are crooked. But, you know, that is my business. And that is how I chose uh, <laughs> to uh, handle this time. You know, I don't have nails. I would really love to get my nails done, you know, but I also, you know, I... I appreciate the states opening up, but I also appreciate states and establishments that are putting the health and safety of their employees first and then their customers is what I appreciate. So, um, you know, I have enjoyed, you know, shopping through Instacart, you know, that probably will never change. I'll probably never want to go into a grocery store ever again after this anyway, just because I'm lazy. But, you know, outside of that, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't necessarily been all that bad. You know, I see a lot of people complaining about not being able to go outside. You can go outside, you know, you just can't go to the mall. You can go outside. You could take a walk. Um, you know, I found out at my college, you know, we can walk on the track or whatnot. You know, I don't see anything wrong with going out and, you know, doing those type of activities. I have friends that have gone um, hiking over the last couple of weeks and, you know, doing things like that. Yeah, you can go outside. You can get you some outdoors air. You don't have to stay in the house. It's just that they're saying that we can't go to the places that are closed, the movie theaters, um, the gym, which is, you know, it would be great to be able to go to the gym, but I mean, you can also walk up and down your street. You can also walk around the track. You can walk from your house to the gas station. You can still be active in this time. It doesn't require that you have uh, Planet Fitness or Gold's Gym or uh, LA Fitness or wherever you go. That's not required in order for you to stay fit. So, you know, stop telling yourself that. Um, but, you know, outside of that, you know, I've, I've found uh, productivity in every single day. So I'm super hyped. I'm learning how to play the piano. I actually played my first song last night. I was so excited. I learned how to do it by ear. Um, for one of my classes uh, next semester, I have to start taking piano. So, you know, just little by little, uh, teaching myself how to do new stuff. And it has gone amazing. So I wanted to uh, get into uh, the last few weeks of Insecure real quick because um, I really have fallen in love with the show. I have, I think it's, I think it's just unhealthy at this point. Um, how I have really, uh, got into the show, maybe because I'm Issa. I have been Issa my entire life and I have been friends with a lot of Molly's. Um, I wrote about four Molly's, well, three Molly's. The last one was an Issa too, but she was like the, a, a bad version of what an Issa is. Um, but, um, but I've been friends with a lot of Molly's in my life and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really hard to, um, to, to describe, um, how I felt in those relationships with people where, you know, we started off as friends and everything was great. But when I started to grow and evolve, um, and started getting excited about my life and talking about the things I want to do in my life, my friends weren't able to handle that because they were so used to me being, 
you know, whatever they thought, you know, beneath them. And I've always thought that that was funny. Um, But the last few weeks um, of Insecure have really shown me that uh, for one, I chose a great um, time and a great topic uh, for writing my book. And for two, uh, we all go through the same thing with our friends, you know, and uh, relationships, friendships can be real ugly. They can be real messy. Um, They can stank a little, you know, and it really depends on you and your friend on how you're going to come out of the situation. Are you going to come out of it, um, you know, like fighting for it or are you just going to kind of, you know, let it do whatever it's doing, you know, and that's kind of where we are with uh, with Issa and Molly. So, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, we're in season four. So going back to episode five, you know, um, Issa, you know, she has the block party. It was a huge success. I was proud of her as if this was a real ass situation. I was proud because um, Issa is an activist, even though she uh, left her job at We Got Y'all, which I think it was long overdue for her to leave that dumbass job because like she said, her the person who started the nonprofit, you know, she started a nonprofit in the hood, but she didn't hire anybody from the hood. And it's just just indicative of where we are, you know, as a society, you got a bunch of people who have never had any experience in this area, trying to tell people in this area, how to live or how to do anything. And it just doesn't work. How do you have a nonprofit in the heart of the hood, but you don't have anybody from that hood that, that works there. It was just stupid, you know? So I I give kudos to Issa for quitting that bullshit job because it was only a matter of time before she would have really went off. Um, and just really like, just, you know, just went off. It would have got ugly. She probably would have got fired if she really would have reacted the way that I know I would have, you know, in that situation with just all of the innuendo and all the racist remarks and stuff. It was just, it was a lot. So, you know, like I said, I'm glad that she left. They lost her. Um, she had the potential to be great, um, in that capacity, but not necessarily for that, uh, for that nonprofit. Uh, but it doesn't mean that she's not still advocating for the hood because that's what the block party was about. She was advocating for Inglewood. Um, she was advocating for Lamert Park, which is starting to become gentrified. And it's something that, you know, she has always, um, of course, been against, you know, and it is hurtful for her to see her neighborhood uh, get gentrified. I'm from Oakland, you know, and I moved to Virginia in 2003. And every time I came back to visit, there was another piece of Oakland that I did not recognize until finally when I moved back here in 2017, I was like, this shit is way different. This is not the Oakland that I grew up in. This does not feel like the Oakland that I grew up in, you know, and even though I have been gone for 14 years, you know, even coming back, it never actually felt like home. I've been back in California since 2017 and it still don't feel like home. I go visit all, you know, all the time. I would drive into Oakland and go eat and, and hang out or whatever. It never, ever, ever felt like or feels like home. So I can definitely understand um, when you see your hood or, you know, where you grew up and all that shit. And it's just like, wow, this is legit. Like, this is what it's been reduced down to. This is this is where we at now. So, you know, um, I don't know who in Oakland fights for that, who fights for um, to stop the gentrification, to stop, you know, um, there's an area in Oakland, um, 
Eastmont, you know, which has historically been the hood, you know, 73rd Avenue, um, all like Bancroft and um, and then you got like Foothill and MacArthur right there and where Eastmont Mall is. It's always been kind of rough around there, you know, um, for as long as I can remember. And I remember like um, some years ago, they were talking about putting a Starbucks over there. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, as much as I like Starbucks, there's a certain um, area that Starbucks should be in. But once you start to see Starbucks in certain areas of the quote unquote hood, you know that there's more to come after that is is how I see it. So they put a Starbucks there, then they'll start moving us out and then start building these little loft apartments that can't nobody afford to live in. You know, it's already expensive in the East Bay. You know, there's nothing stopping them from buying property there and charging four or $5,000 a month in rent, you know, and then before you know it, Eastmont Mall becomes um, a town center of sorts and they tear it down. Eastmont is a fucking landmark, you know, in, in Oakland. It is it's historic, you know, um, if you're from Oakland, you know, all the shit that's been in Eastmont Mall. You know, I remember I'm old enough to remember when Mervyn's was in there. I'm old enough to remember when uh, I think it was called Petri. Petrini's I think it was a clothing store in there you know when Soul Beat was in there like I'm I'm from these streets like I remember all kind of stuff so if they if they change Oakland to the point where they turn Eastmont Mall into a town center and one of those outdoor type of malls with all these upscale department stores obviously they're going to start driving the people out you know it's like why not just improve the area and not put these gentries into the area you know why not why not do that but anyway that's neither here nor there um Issa is an activist she's an advocate so for the for the hood so what she did was she put together this block party and it was for um you know like it was all black entertainment and then it was highlighting all black businesses you know and I love that and I was like so hyped and I'm even more excited you know um to uh I'm even more excited to you know to to see you know what all is to come after that so I was I was really excited like um and very proud of her when she pulled the whole thing off I thought that that was the best thing in the world so anyway we get into the actual block party itself now at this point her and Molly are just kind of like you know tolerating each other they kind of sort of dealing with each other you know, and um, it's not really the same level of friendship. You know, Issa is trying to plan this block party <clears throat> and her headliner dropped out. And when she calls um, Molly for help, you know, and she's like, you know, can we talk? And Molly's like, yeah, you know, let's talk. But when the conversation starts, you know, Molly goes into her shit. And I kind of, you know, was like, well, why would you do that? Because Issa called you. Like, she called you saying, can we talk? You know, I think I would have been more inclined to listen to what my friend had to say if she called me and said, can we talk? But instead, Molly took on the conversation on her own. Um, and then, you know, she said that her headliner dropped out. So, um, or Issa said the headliner dropped out. So, you know, Molly gets real, like, I guess, like, pensive uh, in her tone. And, you know, she's just like, well, why'd they drop out? You know, asking all these 30-degree questions. And Issa's like, look, bitch, I don't have time to explain that. I need to figure this shit out. You know, I need a new headliner. Issa finds a headliner. She gets um, she gets in contact with Vince Staples people, but she needed, you know, a little bit more help uh, to get him, you know, to agree to the event. 
And who could do that was Molly's boyfriend. And she, you know, Issa's like, can you ask him? I really need help. And then, you know, Molly felt some type of way. And then ultimately she ended up telling Issa, I'm not going to ask him because this is a new relationship and I I don't want to compromise my relationship. You know, I get where Molly's coming from, but from the perspective of friendship, um, especially somebody you've been friends with for a long time, I don't think I'd be willing to see my friend fail. I wouldn't want to see my friend fail and fall flat on her face uh, because um, she got so close to finishing this and then it falls apart with something major like this. Um, I really hate that that's really what it came down to. And the thing that really made me look at Molly different was that she was willing to let Issa fail. Now, if Issa would have failed, she would have had so much more shit to say about how Issa, you know, nothing she ever does makes sense. You should have never quit your job. Um, You know, this block party was shitty. It was a disaster and blah, blah, blah. She'd have put all that blame on Issa. And we know that. So her helping Issa she could have just helped her and then just dealt with it after the fact. She could have, you can still help your friends and set up boundaries. Yes, I'll help you this time, but I can't, I don't want to make this a habit. We can't do this again. You know, be clear about your intentions. You know, how how you want to help them. Yeah, I can do this for you. When it comes to money, yeah, I can give you this money, but really this has to be a one-time thing because I can't keep doing this for you. You know, and, and just be clear about it up front. That way there is no, um, you know, there's no wrong way to interpret it. If you tell your friend what it is and you're just telling them what it is and let that, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But what happens is we create all this other like gray area and that's how communication gets all fucked up between you and your friend. So, you know, Issa's like, okay, whatever. You know, she talked about it with Nathan. I don't think she went to Nathan, um, you know, and was like, oh, fuck her. I'm about to do this anyway. You know, I think what she really did was talked about it. She was afraid to fail. She was stressed out. And then he went and asked his friend and Andrew had absolutely no issue doing it. Now, did he? He did not come to Molly and say, hey, I really don't appreciate your friends coming at me. No, he went ahead and did it with absolutely no issue. So why does Molly have an issue? You know, and the fact that Molly approached her at the end of the night after she watched this successful ass event go down and then she want to throw her own drama in there. Let me tell you, I said it a couple of episodes ago. In friendship, we owe our friends a certain level of submission. I don't mean like you got to bow down to your friends or no dumb shit like that. But what I'm saying is we owe our friends a level of submission. We owe it to our friends to um, to be their friend through... Um, you know, through whatever situation, we don't have to put other people in the middle of our shit. We don't have to include other people in whatever's going on between us. We can handle that uh, just between the two of us. In my book, um, I actually touch on this in my book and let me find it. Um, Let's see. Yeah. So I say in my book, you may not always agree on the same things, but disagree shouldn't bring out the worst in you either. I watch so-called friends beef on social media all the time. Not before long, someone pulls off the gloves and starts sharing things about their friend that was discussed in the utmost confidence. How many times have you seen friends going at it and the next thing you know, 
all their businesses in the street. You start to read or hear about who they slept with, drug habits, STD exposure, and so on. This always blows me away because they were just friends this morning and now they're exchanging threats. Let me tell you, that shit happens all too often. Like we be cool with somebody and then out of nowhere, it just ends up being this big blowout between the two. In adult friendships, there is no time, no time or no room for passive aggressive behavior. Either you going to say what you got to say and whatever it's either going to hurt my feelings. It's going to make me feel some type of way. But if I know that your intentions are good, it shouldn't be a long lived uh, blow. It shouldn't, I shouldn't feel the after effects to that, you know, for hours and hours and hours on end. You know, we should have good intentions for our, our friends, our close friends. Everything that we say, everything we pour into them should be with good intentions. So if you're, if, if you're saying it to me in good intentions, I should be receiving it as if you were giving it in good intentions. Like you want to see me do better in life. You want to see me handle shit better and be a better person. I don't get that with Molly. I get Molly as, you know, banking up a whole lot of shit and then she puts it in her back pocket. And then when she sees the opportunity to act the complete act, excuse me, act the complete ass. She makes a decision that she going to disclose all that shit and she don't care where she does it at. And that is what makes her um, unattractive as a friend to me. That's what makes her uh, be, you know, that's what makes her messy. And I just think it's just really, really fucked up that, you know, that that's where she would do. She, You watch your friend have this meltdown because the shit almost didn't come together. And it's almost like Molly is just hating. You watch it almost fall apart. Then she pulled it together. She did the damn thing. You even had to sit there and look and realize yourself how this big ass thing got pulled off. You saw it and like amazingly your friend pulled this shit off and then you gonna come at her while she's on cloud nine patting herself on the back excited that she pulled this shit off just to bring her down to your miserable ass level. Like for real, passive aggressive behavior, you know, they needed to have a conversation episodes ago, but since they haven't, you know, now they're forced to deal with the fallout of that. You know, I talk about that in my book too, about when we don't take control of the reins, we just lose control of certain situations. You know, when you don't um, take control of certain situations in your life, you're kind of forced uh, to deal with the fallout from that. And you you know, there's not really much that you can do if you don't take control of a situation because once it starts to spiral out of control, it's out of control. And it's hard to regain that control if you let it go for too far. You know, so, you know, after that episode, you know, you got Issa, you know, like, you know, she's tired of having to, you know, be the one that is always reaching out first. And I felt that. I felt that almost on a spiritual level, because a lot of times people will require you or expect you rather to be the person, to be the bigger person, to be the one to speak up, speak up. Um, I mean, that is draining, especially when you know somebody wronged you. Um, but you're like, nah, I'm not talking to you because you wronged me. And until that person reaches out, you guys ain't gonna never have a conversation. That is the most tired shit in the world. Um, you have to be accountable for your actions when you're friends. And Molly is not very accountable. She knows that every time some shit go wrong, Issa is always the one to apologize. She knows that every time some shit goes down, Issa's always the first one to call or the first one to make the move uh, towards um, apologizing. She knows that. 
you know so it's just is is crazy like when um like anybody like um kelly you know keeps asking so you know did you call her oh so what if she doesn't call y'all not gonna speak to each other yeah you're damn right we'll never speak to each other again if it comes down to it you know um i especially like when Issa went to her mom and her mom said she had her hand in too many pots um i felt that you know um it's it can it, that that too can be equally draining. I've always seen Issa with a very uh, weird similarity to me because I'm one of those people who have my hands in a whole lot of pots, and um, you know I'm a smart kid, um, and you know I'm interested in everything. I'm a smart kid, and I'm always looking at doing everything I learn how to do a whole lot of stuff and then I know how to do all this stuff and I have all this information and I I taught myself how to do this and I did a YouTube video uh, tutorial on how to do that and and I end up being um, this adult who lacked direction in life Um, and it was hard for me to really figure out what my passion was or to figure out what my calling was because it's like, well, I know how to do so many things. Everything is my passion. Everything is my calling. You know, it's it's hard. And I'm very proud of Issa for this season, for her realizing that her calling is, her passion is really in this block party thing and coordinating events and putting events together. So I was really proud to see that she actually embraced that part of who she is. You know, it doesn't change what I think that her, um, it doesn't really change what her, um, what her desire is in life because she's still an activist. She was an activist for We Got Y'all. You know, she was an advocate for them. She's still an advocate um, if she's if she continues to do her events the way that she does them. You know, um, how many of y'all are like that? You know, like you are you do a lot of things very, very, very well, you know, and it's hard for you or it has been hard for you to figure out what your passion is in life because you're so good at everything. You know how to do everything. So you bite off pieces and chunks and, you know, and strips of this, that and the third. And then you think that, oh, well, I thought this is really what I wanted to do, but I guess that's not it. And you feel like, you're just wandering around with no real direction, you know, but then you got a Molly around you who went to school, knew exactly what they wanted to do, knew exactly what they wanted their life to be like, you know, and, you know, they went into that and there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, I always say that going to school, going to college at 18 and 19 years old and determining what you want to do for the rest of your life. I think that's the stupidest shit ever. No teenager knows what they want to do for the rest of their life. A hundred percent of the time. I don't, you know, any of you who went to college, you graduated from college, you tell me how many times you changed your major when you were trying to figure out what it was that you wanted to do when you were trying to figure out what your passion was. When people say, oh, when I went to college, you know, I found myself in college You know, and they say, um, I found, I found myself when I went to school, you know, and I always laugh at that because I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't really find myself until I was like 25, 26 years old. So, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just, I I look at that a little bit differently than most, um, 
but yeah, that, that was a really powerful episode. Also, um, can we, can we just talk about Kyla Pratt and her friends? Like how, how you going to meet me at a restaurant? See, this is Issa, I don't know if her boasting about herself or whatever, and they was already going to play her or they just thought, oh, she, she from LA, she got money. She do this, whatever. We're going to stick her with this bill. I have no idea. But the fact that they left her, I really wish Issa would have rolled up on, I would have probably rolled up on the sidewalk behind them bitches. Um, I thought that was kind of funny, uh, that they would have her, um, just, they had her all the way fucked up and Issa gonna have to stop thinking about the shit to do and just go out there and actually do it because I would have, I probably would have hit one of them hoes with my car. I would have got my money's worth, whatever I had to pay out, uh, at the restaurant. (laughs) That's just how it would have (laughs) gone. But, um... Yeah, I also love, um, you know, in this season, you know, um, again, you know, Issa's 30 years old and she's just now starting to figure out her calling. And it's okay if, you know, you could be 30, 40, 27, 62 years old and not have figured out what your calling is. There's no fucking time limit on that. Stop letting society dictate to you um, that after every age or after every decade, you're supposed to be doing X, Y, Z with your life. That linear um, way of thinking, you know, is bullshit. And, you know, that's why a lot of people feel unfulfilled in their life because, you know, society tells them after high school, they're supposed to go to college. And after college, you're supposed to start a career. Then when they get into their career, they're supposed to meet their soulmate and fall in love, get married, have kids, buy a house, you know, but after high school, you might've had a baby. And then after you had that baby, you might've started your career. And then after that, you know, you get into that career, you might've had another baby. Then you might have gotten with somebody that you thought you was going to marry, didn't get married and then started your career. Like it, 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 doesn't mean that if you go out of whatever order, you know, that you're living your life incorrectly or your, your, um, life lacks validity, um, because you're no longer, um, going in whatever line or pattern that society says to go in. It is perfectly okay. There's no age limit on, on, you know, whatever, you know, I know people in their sixties who have never purchased a house before. So if you buy a house at 75, that's still buying a house. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And this new millennium of people who, you know, talk all this shit about other people's timelines. Like if you were concerned on yours, you wouldn't even have time to worry about what age somebody else did their shit. So, you know, again, party on to the people who are still trying to figure things out in life. Ain't nothing wrong with it. As long as you don't stop moving, don't stop, don't stop growing, don't stop don't stop going. Just keep, keep it going. Just keep moving, whatever you do. Um, last night's episode was pretty dope. I, um, really appreciate how we get into the whole racist thing, um, with Andrew and his brother. And, you know, that was a really good, um, segue into, uh, dealing with, uh, the realities of interracial relationships. I have gone through this myself. I have been, um, you know, in relationships with guys who are not black and I might not have dealt with their family. I mean, dealt with them per se, as far as racism is concerned, but I've definitely dealt with their families. And that's actually something I'm going to talk about next week, um, is like, how I got out of those situations because interracial dating, um, is, I don't really have a problem with it. Um, I just, 
The only issue I've ever had with interracial dating is any black man or black woman that's dating outside of our um, race, how they put down. So I've seen black women with white men put down black men. I've seen black men with white women who put down in the black man puts down uh, black women and I don't date whoever the fuck you want. Just don't say anything about me. It's how I've always felt. You know, I don't think it's necessary that we need to put each other down just because we're dating outside of our race. I love who you want to love. That's, you know, the end of that. So, but when the family gets into it, and you know starts creating trouble and drama and problems for you in your relationship then that's kind of where you need to uh you know take a closer look at your partner and then make some decisions for yourself and how you want to proceed throughout the rest of that relationship I think Molly did great I do not think Molly was overreacting this was actually a really great um um, acting that was a really great uh, scenario for her character and I, I, I really thought that, that that was excellent I liked it especially because Molly came from corporate America and she already dealt with some of the bullshit you know working for a white law firm you know and now she's gone to a black law firm and she's just a lawyer trying to make it in life and do well in life you know and she can afford to go on this vacation in Mexico she can afford to go on vacations everywhere and she's worked just as hard as anybody else and she's out here living her life like anybody else and for the chick to really go in like she did over a towel I really did think that that was a bit much because I'm like well bitch what do you think I'm doing out here on this you know at at the you know at the hotel swimming pool you know I I thought that that was crazy I've kind of sort of been through that same thing before but not to that extent so I really I really do applaud um I applaud Molly for how she handled that. And when she handled um, Andrew's brother, when she was like, you know, fuck you, Andrew, get your fucking brother. You know, I really think that that was something that that's going to be one of those things where um, we get to see Molly deal with a different type of conflict. And I appreciate that. Um, I like how she's reaching out to her lawyer because she's having trouble letting go of things with Issa. And I noticed how, you know, I don't know if like next week is, I don't, I think next week is probably going to be the finale because it's like the eighth episode. Um, but I don't know if next week they're going to show how Issa's dealing with all of this, but I knew that Molly was going to be still worried about what Issa's doing. Cause last week's episode, when they were at, um, Tiffany's house after, you know, Tiffany had the baby and all that, you know, and, uh, Molly thought she saw Issa get ready to leave with Lawrence when in reality, you know, she leaving cause her fucking headliner dropped out. You know, sometimes, you know, you need to just check your emotions and check your feelings and mind your own fucking business, you know, and keep it moving. But Molly, she, she keeps calling Issa messy and everything I see Molly do is messy as hell. So I don't know. I just, what I, what I know is that, you know, um, we all have Molly's in our life, you know, and I guess it really depends on, you know, how much we care about the relationship, whether or not we're going to deal with the Molly-ness of it all. Me personally, I'm not, I'll never...